So let us bow our heads and we'll uh, go into our prayer for the day. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and love you, God, appreciate you, God, and magnify you for who you are and what you mean to us, God. Thank you for being the great, matchless, wonderful God. Now, God, I'm asking that you would hide me beneath the cross, that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, God. Let it be all of you, less of me, God. Touch the hearts of your hearers and listeners, God. Bless those online. Allow the word to impact your heart. Bless those who will watch the rebroadcast. Allow that to settle in their heart and give them strength, Father. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let everybody say... Amen and amen. All right, at this time, would you just grab your Bibles in your hands? And would you repeat after me? Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre. Feed me this word. Amen. Amen. Come on, put our hands together again. Knowing that God will bless us and God will feed us. And I am just the waiter or waitress. God is delivering the food. He's back there cooking the food. I'm just delivering the food to you. Amen. Now, sometimes even though the food is good, the waiter or waitress can be bad. So I'm going to try to be a good waiter and deliver you what God has cooked up. Amen. And the way you can tip me is by saying amen. If I'm doing good, amen. Well, let's let's start another another thing to praise God for. Uh, Mother Mitchell decided she's ready to read again. So we'll hear her voice again in the house. So that's beautiful. So we will we will start with her and we will start with Psalm 62 and 1. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. There's a lot of words that I could pick out but the word that jumped out to me is soul. Truly my soul finds rest. In God, my salvation comes from him. Let's read the the next verse, verse 2. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. I will never be shaken. There's some confidence that the writer has there that was quite interesting to me. And so the first word that jumped out to me was soul. And the fact that it said, truly, my soul. So there's a lot of confidence. But the realm of the soul is not really a realm of a whole lot of confidence. When we talk about our souls being saved, there's confidence in that. And the scripture says it's it's more profitable for, I mean, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So when you have soul salvation and people talk about souls being saved, there is confidence in that. But the idea of our soul, that we're three-part beings, we are spirit, soul, and body. There's not a whole lot of confidence in the soul. So how did this writer become so confident to say, truly, my soul, and I'll never be shaken. So that's going to bring us for the title of today. And here it is, and they're going to bring it up. It simply says, I command my soul. I command my soul. There was a song that we used to sing years ago, and it would say, I command my soul to praise the Lord. I command my soul to praise the Lord. So my soul normally has to be told what to do by me. Problem is, we are a three-part being. We are spirit, soul, and body. And there are two people trying to talk to the soul. 
The spirit is trying to command the soul, but the flesh is trying to command the soul. So there is a wrestle between the spirit and the flesh, and it's over my soul. And when you're used to living by the flesh, which most of us are because we live in a fleshly world. We live in a world that's driven by our five senses. When you're used to following the flesh, when your spirit tries to tell your soul what to do, your soul tries to act up. So you have to command your soul. Having said that, let me, let me give us just some some. Uh, uh, Easy way to understand it. Let's let's put this definition of soul up. It is the collection of our will, mind, emotions, intellect, reasoning, imagination. Will, mind, emotions, intellect, reasoning, imaginations. It it, it is the seat of who we really are. It it is... uh, what one of our, our uh, ladies that used to teach here, uh, I can't re- remember her name right now, not Mother Thomas, but, but another lady, she, they, she passed on. But she would call it Sue because it comes from the Greek suke is where we get our psyche. Yeah, Mother Chambers. It, 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 it is, she would call it your Sue. Everybody's got a Sue, a suke or a psyche or a mind. Everybody's got something in them that drives them more than what we see on the outside. And traumas and past history and life, there's a whole psychology of why we do what we do. Marketers understand our sue or our suke or our psyche and they speak to our psyche. They market things to us because we are really driven by something that we cannot see. Um, uh, I believe it was Sigmund Freud talks about it and he, he talks about it in the, the sense of a iceberg. That the majority of an iceberg that you see, you only see the tip of the iceberg. But what makes the iceberg the iceberg is everything that's below the surface of the water. And he talks about our subconscious is the very thing that drives us. But most of us only see the outer. So that's why we have to be careful when we talk to people and when we deal with people. Because many times they have issues deep in their soul. I don't know why the girl come to church with her chest all out. She ought to know better than that. She should know better than that. But there's something in her psyche that tells her the only way people will receive me is if I expose parts of myself. There's something in the deep recesses of her soul that lets her feel that way. So she needs deliverance in her soul. And so many of the things that we do, it comes from the wrestle we have in our soul. And at some point, If we're going to move forward in God, we have to command our soul. In other words, soul, you got to act right. Even if there's no act right in me right now, soul, I need you to act right. I need you to, like I tell you all the time, I need you to pull yourself together. I, I, I need you to get right because my spirit is calling for something. My flesh is calling for something. And soul, I command you to follow the spirit. All right, let's let's continue to read. I'm just just setting this up and then this this will help me as I'm trying to impart something new. Let's let's go to 3 John 1 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. People who are known as prosperity preachers, a lot of times they use this verse. But it's really taken out of its context. It's, it's not really talking about prosperity. It's really just a greeting that John was giving to Gaius. It was just a greeting. But in the greeting, there was something being said that's powerful. So I, I want to put the scripture back up and then I'm, I'm going to read it and point out what I want to point out to you. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Even as thy soul prospers. So to the degree that your soul does well, the rest of your life will do well. In other words, if you can get your mind right, you'll eventually be able to get your life right. Because your life is in your mind. 
It's in what other folk can't see. It's the stuff that you think at night. It's the stuff that keeps you up at night. So if you ever want to prosper in life, you first have to prosper in your soul. You, you, your soul has to grow. Your mind, your imaginations, your reasoning, your choosing. What makes you choose this? If you told everybody you was on a diet at 12 noon, but by 12.05 you eating chocolate cake, there's something wrong with your soul. Because your mouth said one thing, but your mind brought something else. And all of us who've lived life, we wrestle with the things in our soul. So we got to learn how to command our soul. So we can be like the psalmist that says, truly, I will never be shaken. How do you become so confident? So let's continue to read. Let's, let's look at Joshua 1 and 8. Another scripture that uh, prosperity preachers use, but it's deeper than just material things. Joshua 1 8 says what? Uh, Sister Mitchell, would you read? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So having good success and having uh, prosperity, and I'm not talking about money, even though uh, money can be included in prosperity and money can be included in success. But how many know that success is more than just material things? Success is much deeper than that. But it seems to tie the success to the meditation of the word of God. And meditation is not something you do on the outside. Meditation is something you do on the inside. So to the degree that we work on our souls or allow our souls to be worked on is to the degree that the level of our life will be successful in the things of God. Now, you can be successful in the things of the world and the things of the enemy and still not have soul prosperity. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us who are Christians. We want to be successful in the things of God. In other words, when we shouldn't be bitter, we don't want to be bitter. When we should be forgiving, we don't want to have unforgiveness in us. When, when we should be at peace, we don't want to be confused. When we should be joyous, we don't want to be depressed. When we should not worry, we don't want to be filled with anxiety. And all of those things are things that we work on in our soul. In other words, we got to do the real work. That it takes. Coming to church on Sunday morning is grand. It's beautiful. I love you. But that is not where it ends. That should only be where it begins. You need to be doing the soul work and the soul healing all week long. All year long. Because life comes at us fast and hard. And if we're not careful, we'll drown in what life throws at us. But if we know how to anchor our souls, we're going to be okay. I will pause and say this, that it's in, especially in, in African-American communities and also in the community of the church, it's poo-pooed on and going and getting licensed therapy. But I say that's a bad mindset to have. Whatever will help you in your soul realm, you need to take advantage of it. Speaking of that, I'm getting back into therapy myself, and, and my first appointment back is Tuesday of next week. Well, why would you do that? Why don't you pray? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I should pray. But my daddy just died a, a, just, just a couple months ago. And we lost a whole bunch of people in the church. And before I just keep moving on and just kind of be strong and do everything, I'm going to talk to somebody. Amen. Just in case. Now, it's, it's funny. One of the reasons why I stopped going to therapy, there was nothing wrong. For, for, first of all, it was the pandemic. But it seemed to happen that the therapist that I was talking to, she started asking me questions. I found myself counseling her. And I'm like, wait a second, you're supposed to be counseling me. But when you know God, sometimes you just have things to give and have things to offer. So let, 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 let's, let's dig a little deeper. I, I want to show us something that, that you may not know about because uh, maybe no one's talked to you about. Or maybe you haven't been to seminary or theology, theology school. So this is something I can throw out to you and help you. Let's put this, this uh picture up. Book 2, Psalms 42 through 72. If, if you have in your Bible, sometimes they have these, these headings. And bef before we actually go to that, go back to the, the, the previous uh, uh, slide. Just, just put that, that book 2 up there. You can go ahead and trans make it transparent so I can talk through it. 
But if you look in your Bible, sometimes the headings will say book two. So Psalms is actually divided up by the uh, the Bible scholars who put together the, the Bible. They, they divided Psalms up into books. It is one book, the book of Psalms, but it's divided up into book one, book two, book three, book four, and book five. Book two is Psalms 42 through 72. So that starts book two. All right, let's, let's go to that other slide. A little harder to, to see. You can go ahead and make that solid. So book one is from Psalms 1 to Psalms 41. Book two is from 42 to 72, like I just told you. Book three is from 73 to 89. Book four is 90 to 106. Book five, 107 to 150. They divided them up like that because each book represents something different. So, so when they were collecting the Psalms, they were trying to figure out a way to organize them so the reader would understand because we just get the Bible and it's all put together, many times we don't understand that it was strategically laid out. So let me uh, read this to you, and this, this will help you understand. I'm going to have them put this up. I'll read it. Mother Mitchell doesn't have to read it. Uh, would, would you put that, that up? It says, this second book of Psalms, Psalms 42 through 72, has a few unique features. First, it is the only book of the five that contains Psalms ascribed to the sons of Korah, a group of Levite temple singers. I will pause and talk about that for a second. There's at least 10 Psalms that have in book two that have from the sons of Korah. I don't have time to tell you all about the sons of Korah, but you first hear about Korah in Moses and in a rebellion. Later on in David's time, when David actually became king, after he did all the fighting and he actually became king, he came back from a place called Hebron and he was actually in Jerusalem. And he set up what we know as praise singers. David was the one that set that up. And the sons of Korah were part of the Levitical praise singers. They were praisers, so they were in charge of the music. And David actually shut up 24-7 praise. He had it going all throughout to any time people could go and receive the songs. And so some of the psalms that we see are songs or poems that were penned by David, but some of them were penned by the sons of Korah. Let's, let's put this next thing up. That'll help us. And this all makes sense just, just momentarily. Second, it uses a rather obscure Hebrew term in the superscription of almost half of these psalms, and it's the word maskil, M-A-S-K-I-L, or it sometimes is, is, is written as M-A-S-C-H-I-L, which is translated contemplative poem or song. So there were certain psalms that the purpose of them was to get you to contemplate. To get you not to shout and dance, not to automatically give you an answer for your problems, but to cause you to think, to cause you to contemplate, to cause you to focus on. So, so there are some scriptures, the reason why they don't jump out to you, because they weren't designed to jump out to you. They were designed to sit with you for a while. If you studied the Bible, there's some revelations that you have read over and over and over. And one day it will just jump out to you and you'll see it more clear than you've ever seen it before. Because the Bible is always being unfolded to the reader. So what you see on the surface, many times it's deeper than that. And many times what you need when you need it will be there, but you have to be willing to dig it out. How do you dig it out? Sometimes you just got to continue to read it when it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Just continue to read it. But one day it'll grab you and it'll help you. So, so let's put this up. Let's, let's uh, change for a second from the soul and let's put up a definition of contemplate. One, to look thoughtfully for a long time at. Let me say this to you, uh, saints, uh, Bible readers. It's not always about quantity. It's about quality. So you might be in a season where you're only dealing with one or two verses and you're just looking at it thoughtfully for a long time. Now I told you that I read through the Bible every year from cover to cover. It's just something I've been doing. It helps me in my preaching, my teaching. It helps me grow. But just because I do that doesn't mean that's what you have to do. You may try to read it from cover to cover and something just jumps out to you. 
And you can't get rid of it. You have to pause and think on it, contemplate. God is trying to give you revelation when he, he does that to you because there's something in it that he wants you to learn. Now, now let me give you an example that, that will help you understand. So some years ago, when Devin and I were, were, were married, we, 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 we had been married maybe seven, eight years, somewhere around there. Things had, were okay. They weren't bad. Things were okay. But I could see personally that there was another level I could go in loving my wife. So I began to pray to God and say, well, God, help me. Every marriage goes through ups and downs. Every marriage goes through seasons, goes through winter, spring, summer, fall. So sometimes you're in a winter season in your marriage. Sometimes you're in a summer season. Sometimes you're in a fall season. So we all go through seasons. So we were in a season that wasn't bad, but it seemed like winter might be coming. Seemed like if things change, it might get rough. So I was praying ahead of time, and God told me to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which I know is the love chapter. So I read it, and I didn't get anything out of it. I, I mean, because I had already, I, I'd already read it before. I didn't necessarily get anything out of it. And so then I said, okay, God, what's next? He said, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm like, you already told me that. But I realized he was saying, read it again. So I read it the next night. Didn't get anything out of it other than it's the love chapter. I mean, I know what it says. So here's the thing that happened to me. Until I, I didn't catch what he was saying, so I kept saying, God, what? Uh, okay, I read it, what next? And basically he gets, kept saying, read it again. For two months straight, every single night, I read the love chapter. I didn't get anything out of it in my head, but it was impacting my soul. So the next time we went into a winter season... I was able to supernaturally love my wife and love her through it because I had previously put the work in and didn't even know I was putting the work in. But the word of God was resting in my soul. It was doing something to my soul. And sometimes you come to church and the message isn't for you and God say, keep coming. Keep on coming. Sometimes you read the Bible and it don't seem like it's doing anything, but it's hap something's happening in your soul. It's happening in your psyche. And when you show up to a problem, you show up prepared because the soul has been impacted by the contemplative, meditative word of God. So the word of God is able, the scripture says, is able to save our souls but sometimes we can't always look for the flashy stuff. We have to look for the mundane, the regular, the uh, Genesis 1. See, Genesis 1 uh, to 50, I believe there's 50 chapters in Genesis. They read kind of like a story. You guys probably have to drop my, my mic number 8 down just a little. But they, they read kind of like a story, so that's good. But when you get into Exodus... It reads like a story a little too. You, then you get into numbers. And if you're being honest, there's some boring stuff up in there. You get into Leviticus and then Deuteronomy. And the problem with Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is a rehearsal of the stuff you read in Leviticus and Exodus. And you'd be like, God, what are you talking about? But it's not always for your head, it's for your soul. It's for the stuff that you can't see. That's why the next time that man calls you at 2 o'clock in the morning, you'll be able to tell him no because you got something in your soul. And then when you've been off a of crack for six months and crack begins to call your name, you have something in your soul. It's not always about the flashy, the shout. Sometimes we want to come to church, we want to have all the stuff, we, we like the lights, and then we can add a smoke machine, and we can shout and dance, and have people on the organ and drum, but that ain't going to stop life from hitting you straight in the face. And you're going to have to figure out how to deal with life, and sometimes there's parts of the Bible that all it's there for is to get you to contemplate and to think. Let, let's put up some... Uh, definitions of, uh, some actually some synonyms of contemplate. This will help us as I continue to move forward. I'm still just kind of setting up where we're getting to. Contemplate synonyms. Think about. Meditate on or meditate over. Consider. Ponder. Reflect. Mull over. Muse on. Dwell on. Chew over. Turn over in one's mind. Consider. 
So some people think meditation is just twiddling. Hum, a hum. You may not get anything out of that. Real meditation is pondering, reflecting, considering, thinking about. And it sometimes requires you asking questions of God. God, why did my daddy die? God, why did it happen the way it happened? God, God, why is Deliverance Temple going through what it's going through? God, as the pastor of Deliverance Temple, what am I supposed to do moving forward? I don't pretend like I have all the answers. I go somewhere and I do soul work. God, what are you doing? God, how can you help me? God, how can you fix this? How can you make help me make sense of this? I'm sitting, I'm reflecting, and I'm trying to learn because I know that I can grow through this, but I can't rush past this. There's some stuff you can't rush past. You have to reflect. You have to consider. You have to ponder. And so sometimes reading just to read to say I read actually hurts you. Sometimes you just got to slow down and just look at the scripture. Sometimes you have to pull up the app and uh, listen to the sermon over again. And find out what you missed. Because while you were here in the service, somebody was talking and a baby was moving and stuff was going on. You may have to rehearse something. You may have to pick up something old. You may have to take a song and put it on repeat until it gets down in the recesses of your soul. Because at the end of the day, you're trying to command your soul. In other words, you're trying to get a handle on life because life has been difficult, especially in these these first two years of this new decade. Things have been coming after us. And who would have thought we would still be dealing with COVID in 2021, toward the end of 2021, and there's a new variant on the rise. So going into 2022, two full years dealing with this junk. You're at work wearing masks, in church wearing masks. Who would have thought it? And it's weighing on our mind, but you'll be okay if you know how to command your soul even in a pandemic. Even in grief, even in sorrow, even when you don't have money, you got to figure out how to command your soul. Because what I'm trying to tell the devil is I will not die in this. I will get through this because I'm greater than you. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But I got to do the soul work and the soul healing to get to that place of faith. There's faith and then there's revelation. When you have a revelation, it really helps your faith. All right, so let's, let's put this up. And then we're, go, we're going to try, try to roll forward. Contemplate and meditate. If you look up definitions of meditate, many of the, the things that are in contemplate are the same thing as in meditate. Meditate actually means to mutter and muse. So, so I, I never understood this. When people are like talking under their breath, some of the old folk talking to themselves under the breath, that's actually considered a meditation. That's muttering, musing. Sometimes, uh, you, you've noticed when, when you were trying to memorize something, sometimes you had to say stuff over and over to yourself. Maybe not out loud, but you're saying it to yourself over and over so that you can grab it. Before the day where we had cell phones where you could save number, sometimes somebody would give you a number and you didn't have a pen. So, so 765-843-8292. So in order to keep it in your mind, you had to say it over and over and over until it got it. You had to mutter and mutter and mutter until it stuck with you. There's a principle in that. Whatever you consistently say to yourself, it sticks to not always your head, sticks to your soul. Some of y'all know this. You can still remember, some of y'all can still remember your home number you had when you were growing up. Now, I don't know nobody's number. I pull up the cell phone. I don't know nobody's number. And if the name ain't connected to the number, I don't have to know who it is because no longer do I keep that information in my head. But back in the day, we committed certain numbers to memory. And once you get it in you, it's no longer in your head. It's in your soul. Right now, for, for the whole day, all of Sunday, I have not thought anything about my social security number. I haven't thought anything about it. But in this moment right now, it came up in my mind that right now, if you ask me, I could tell you my social security number. Now, don't try to ask me because I ain't going to tell you. All y'all ain't delivered. I ain't telling you. But without thinking about social security number and just right now you could bring up your social security number even though it's not in your head right now it's in your soul and you can pull the thing
things that are in your soul, the things that you've implanted in your soul, you can pull them up to your head at a moment's notice. I'll give you another thing before, before I move forward. Um, many times you can space out driving from uh, places that you already know. In other words, you, driving from church to home, you can get a call and not really be focused on the road, but you know how to get home because your subconscious takes over. Your subconscious will actually drive the car. Have, have you ever been driving and forgot? I don't even remember. I don't remember passing Arby's. I don't remember because your subconscious, your, in other words, that soul takes over. And so because you've driven that route so long, it's stuck in you even when you're not trying for it to be stuck in you because it's being committed to your soul. An another example, I know I'm giving a lot of examples, but I'm trying to uh, impact this in us so we can learn how to win. But many of us, when, when January hits, if you still, maybe not now because things have become so digital, but some years ago, when you would transfer from one year to the next year, the quickest mistake you would make is when you're signing a check, you'd put the old year on the new check. You'd be in January, you'd write 1-1-2020 instead of 1-1-21. Because you had been doing it so long in 2020 that when it comes something new, you forgot because it got into your soul. So if we understand that principle, if we can put the word of God into our souls, then what we can do, we can command our soul or what we call recall. We can have total recall. So when I get in a fresh circumstances of tribulations, I can pull up that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. When I get in a bad situation, I can pull up my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When I get into a rough situation, I can pull up and now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think according to the power that worketh in me. I can pull up on the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. If I put it in my soul, I can recall it when I need it most. All right. So that means we have to sometimes contemplate and meditate on the word of God because it's beneficial to our soul. Let's now let's start with Psalms 42 and 1. So remember, this is book two of Psalms. This is the first. It goes from Psalms 42 to 72. So I wanted to go to the very first one of these contemplative song, psalms and poems. And it's a, it's a psalm of Korah. And so it's the sons of Korah. So let's see what it says. Let's start with Psalms 42 and 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. I've always loved this verse, but I'm learning now. I actually learned just, just as studying for this sermon that I ha actually have been thinking of it out of context. I love the psalm because of the song we used to sing growing up, that as the deer panted for the water, so my soul longs for you. And, and the point was that we long for God the way a person or way an animal longs for water. And that's beautiful and that's part of it, but that's not the real fullness of the verse. The real fullness of the verse is the reason why I'm longing for you is because I can't find you when I need you most. And as I was studying this, the, the thought came of my own dog, my, my dog at home, Named, named Bentley, and Bentley has a water bowl, and Bentley, he drinks the water when he wants to drink the water. So we try to get him to drink the water, he'll just pull on by it, you'll stick his head by it, he'll move. If he don't want the water, he don't want the water. But let him go outside and run around and run around. When he comes in, he's like, <laughs> he, you, don't have to, you don't have to force him to get the water because he's panting. He's struggling, and because he's panting and struggling, it drives him to the water. You can get in situations where you want God, not just because you want God and you're a good Christian. You want God because you're in so much hell that you need God. So this psalm is actually saying that the reason why I'm longing for you like a deer, we long for the water brooks, is because we are in turmoil. 
We are in trouble. We, we don't know what's next. We, we feel uncertain. We're, we're scared. We're worried. We're confused. And, and, and later on, I'll tell you the context behind the sons of Korah writing this or singing this song. But I'm longing for you because God, where are you? Don't, 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 don't play with me, y'all. Say and act like you always feel God's presence. Sometimes at your hardest trials, you don't know where God is. And you don't even know if you're saved or not. You just say, man, I don't know if I, I don't even know if I believe this stuff anymore. You, you, you take somebody who's 35. I just read about a lady who's 35, yet a virgin waiting on marriage. When you get that late waiting on marriage, it, it, it's, it's hard because everybody around you is done, done doing everything. And everything you watch on TV is throwing stuff at your face. And here you are trying to still keep this thing, this, this, this idea of purity. And sometimes for that person who's pursuing and trying and there's no male in sight, it's like, let me just give up. This is not worth it. God, where are you? I'm trying to do it the right way. And here's something I need you to understand. Sometimes when you try to do things the right way, you get the worst results. I remember complaining to God when we didn't have children. And I'm saying, God, me and my wife for four years as we dated, we did not have sex. We only consummated the marriage on the wedding night. But we were youth pastors and there were young folk popping out babies left and right. And we did everything right and we couldn't get a child. It, it, it didn't make sense. Some of the things you go through in life will not make sense. And if you don't know how to command your soul, guess what you'll do? You'll backslide. You'll quit. You'll give up. You'll be like the rest of folk. You'll run away from the church. You'll give up on God. But if you know the reason why some of y'all are here is because you've had to command your soul in the worst of times. And that's what this psalm writer was saying. And we'll explain to you even more. Let's go to 42 and 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? So it seems to suggest that the person wanted to, but couldn't. I want to get to you, God, but something is hindering me from doing it. That's something I need you to understand, Deliverance Temple. Everybody who is doing bad is not doing bad because they want to do bad. Some people are doing bad and they want to get to God, but there's just something blocking them. There's something hindering them. And, and we got to be the type of people that help people get up over the hump so they can get through. We got The reason why we have to command our soul is so we can help somebody else. The reason why we have to confess our deliverance consistently is so that we can commit to serve creatively. I need to be delivered so I can creatively help somebody else be delivered and I can communicate Christ's love compassionately to somebody else. All right, let's look at verse 3. This lets me know uh, the reason why I was kind of misunderstanding verse 1. Let's look at verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? I'm in a season where I'm weeping. My, my food has been my weeping, my crying, and folk around me are saying, where's your God? Now, for us, maybe it's not people, but maybe it's that demonic pressure in your ear. Where, where, where your God at now? You gave to the church, and now you don't have no money. Where, where your God at now? Where your faith at now? Where your joy at now? Where your peace at now? And let's be honest, sometimes you want to know, I want to know the same thing. But I'm not giving in to that devil. Because I know the devil only tells me the truth to trick me into a lie. So, so, so I can't listen to him. I don't know where God is either. I don't know why this happened either. I don't know why I'm going through this either. I don't know why we've been stuck in a pandemic either. I don't know why folk died either. But I, one thing I do know is I can't quit. So devil, I'm going to command my soul not to listen to you, but to move forward in God. Now, here's something we have to understand. The Bible made this statement. This will help, help pull you up a little bit. The Bible says, you have not yet resisted unto death. It was talking about the death that Jesus went through. So, yes, you're going through some rough times, but nobody's putting nails in your hand. Nobody's putting a crown of thorn on your head. Nobody's putting nails in your feet. Nobody's puncturing in your side and hanging you up on a cross. So, you, you can go through some stuff because Jesus went through a lot for you. And if we're real honest, 
If we get real honest, all we got to do is go overseas. There's some Christians going through a whole lot worse than us. So don't let the devil talk to your head. Reminds me of my father. Don't let the devil talk to your mind. All right, let's, let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And I, I, I'll, I'll explain this just momentarily, why the sons of Korah are writing in such a way. But I, the, the thing that jumped out to me, these things I say when I pour out my soul. See, one of the best ways to be able to command your soul is to be able to get in the word of God and in the presence of God and contemplatively reflect and think. But in that moment, you pour out your soul. In other words, you trust God with the deepest, darkest recesses of your soul because if anybody can put the broken pieces back together, God can. I may not be able to tell Alan what I'm really going through, so when Alan asks me how I'm doing, I say I'm blessed and highly favored. But when I go home, I tell God what I really want to say. I tell God how it really feels because I'm trusting God with everything. If he's so real, he's real in my soul. So I pour out my soul to him. I'm not trying to fake the fuck. I, I'm not trying to fake it. I'm trying to be real. Now, we can't always be as real as we need to be because everybody can't handle our reality. That's why I like to tell people, keep some of that stuff off Facebook. Everybody don't want to know that. We don't want to know that you done had eight boyfriends in six months. Keep at least four of them boyfriends off the book. Just don't, date and don't tell nobody because you, you look like you're crazy. Now, you know you're crazy, but there's no need to look like you're crazy. I'm crazy too, but I'm not going to let you know that I'm crazy. I'm going to pour out my craziness before God. Um, maybe, this, maybe this word is not helping you. Maybe a nursery rhyme will help you. Um, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. And Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty... Back together again. But here's the problem. He went to the king's horses and he went to the king's men, but he never went to the king. I feel a Tamil man anointing. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. Truth is, I'm tired. Truth is, I'm broken. Truth is, I'm hurting. But I've learned if I can go to the king, the king can put me back together again. And he can put me back together better than I was when I was broken. So my hope is in the king. My hope is in God. So I command my soul to hold to God's unchanging hand. It won't hurt forever. It won't be like this forever. So hold on to God and let God touch your soul and let God bring you out of it. We are deliverance temple and we will be delivered, but we have to allow God to do the soul work that will heal us from the rooter to the tutor, from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. From our hearts and everything in us. My, my, my grandfather, when he would pray, he said, God, move through the rooms of his soul. Move, I, I need God to move through the rooms of my soul. Because there's parts of my soul that are healed. But there's parts of my soul that is broken. There are parts of my soul that is holy and parts of my soul that is lustful. There's parts of my soul that is peaceful, but parts of my soul that is angry. So God, move through the rooms of my soul. And God, I give you permission to rearrange and move some furniture in my soul and tear down some stuff in my soul and fix me, God. I, I want to be better than I am. I want to make better choices than I made. But God, I give my soul over to you and I command my soul to obey the Lord. I command my soul to stay saved. I command my soul not to quit giving. I command my soul to stay married. I command my soul not to take another drink. I command my soul not to shoot up again. I command my soul. 
I command my soul to get over this grief. I command my soul to overcome this depression. I command my soul. Command my soul. Psalms 42 and 5. Now, now, now listen to what, what, what the writer says next. Psalms 42 and 5. Read. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The psalmist begins to talk to the soul. Why are you downcast? Why, why are you ready to throw in the towel? Now, now, I know why on the outside I understand why, but I want to talk to my soul on the inside because the inside soul is not affected like the outside body. So soul... Why are you acting like this? So why are you ready to quit? So, and here's the thing, when you really talk to yourself, sometimes you find out, even though you're going through stuff, sometimes you find out you really just want some attention. You really just want a pity party. So, so my, my, my kids sometimes, specifically Alana, if something happens to Alana, she scratches her knee, She'll be running up and down. The next day, I'll be like, hey, how's your knee? Oh, oh it, it still don't feel too good. Now, you was just running around. But because you can get some attention from daddy, you focus on the pain you have forgot about. Sometimes when you talk to your soul, you find out it's not as bad as you're trying to make it. You just want a pity party. You just want some attention. So sometimes when you talk to your soul, you make up, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Oh, I messed up, Pastor. Why you messed up? Well, I couldn't go out to eat Sunday. Well, what'd you do? Well, I went home and cooked some leftovers. Well, you still ate. Did you starve? No. So really, you just wanted some attention. Really, you just want to do what everybody else is doing. But sometimes it's okay to take a little less and do something different. It's okay. So sometimes when you talk to your soul, you find out sometimes you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Now, sometimes it's, it's, it's real, true, honest trouble. Now, now, deliver simple. We've been through some real, true, honest stuff centered around the death of close loved ones. And that, I'm, not, I'm not making light of that at all. That's real and true. But I have noticed something in us going through that. The mortgage still been paid. The light still been on. Stuff still been happening. Folks still been giving. There's still something to praise God for. Let me throw in this testimony that happened last week. I was very frustrated last week because I come in and then the heat was out. And nobody wants to, in the winter months, to come to church and the heat be out. Now, I have a phone that controls the, the thermostat wirelessly. So I'm looking at my phone and it says that the heat is on, but the temperature is way down. And I just, I, I, I was frustrated. I think I slammed the door. And I said, Devin, I got to go to church early. She's like, what's happening? I was like, this, this heat ain't, ain't working right again. And sure enough, when I got here, it wasn't doing nothing. It was making noise, but it wasn't firing up. And so we went ahead and went through. And I, I mentioned it, that we should pray about it. Sister, Sister Trish came up to me afterwards. She's like, do you have anybody to look at it? And I was like, we have somebody. She's like, do you have anybody to look at it? And basically, she was saying, I can help if you don't. I was like, yeah, I need somebody to look at it. She's like, well, I'm going to call my husband. So he comes over, I waited there, and I unhooked it and showed him what was going on. He's like, I think this is all you need right here. I looked it up on Amazon, that part was $25. The next part that went with it, you could get it or not, was optional, but I decided to get it too because the whole thing was $33. So we got the whole f heat fix for $33. Didn't call, it wasn't, now... Now, had she not made that mention, we called our normal people, they would have charged 100 just to show up. And no, no telling how much they would have lied and told us the part was. So, yes, things come at you, but if you watch, God normally fixes and answers stuff right behind. But sometimes we forget to give God praise for all the stuff that he has done. So I praise God for fixing our heat for $33. And I changed the part myself. Amen. I let Deacon Doug know I changed the part. He said, I would have done it. I said, I'm saving you for the hard stuff. This was easy. 
I, all I had to take two screws out and fixed it real, real quick and easy. But many times we sometimes are so used to focus on what's going wrong, we forget to see all the things that God is doing behind the scenes that is making life okay. Life is okay. No, you may not be able to buy all the gifts you want for Christmas, but can you buy some gifts? Well, keep praising God. Well, I, no, Pastor, I can't buy no gifts. Guess what? They don't need them anyway. It's okay. You can still praise God. So, so the psalm writer is saying, why are you disquieted? And then he makes the statement, I'm going to yet praise God. Let's, let's look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. I, I need to teach this for a moment as we're moving toward a close. Let's, let, let's put these things up, and I'll, I'll read them for you. Uh, the Hebrew word translated here as deep refers to the deepest depths of the sea. The sons of Korah, exiled with David, had lost all footing. Okay, now I'll explain to you what the sons of Korah were writing this for. So there comes a time in the story of David, the arc of his life. This is after a lot of things have happened, but there was a son named Absalom. And Absalom did a, uh, a coup on his father. And he took the throne and David and all of his, his people had to be exiled from the city. Not only did Absalom take uh, the throne, he took David's wives. And so they had to run from Absalom. So the sons of Korah were saying, here David had put us up to be praisers in the city, but now we are on the run. We can't even go back to the city because somebody in a rebellion has taken over the city. And the thing about the rebellion is Absalom had tricked the people of Israel to side with him. So even though David had been the king, nobody was on David's side except for the folk that exiled with him and the sons of Korah they're writing this song saying I wish I can go and find God but we're in a situation where we are running for our lives now David had been through all kinds of trials and he finally was in a place where things were running smooth and because of this here he is he had another enemy but it wasn't an enemy from without it was an enemy from within it was his own son that caused him to be running for his life so the sons of Korah were writing that and they were saying deep calls under deep because we're in the depths of this, this, this trial that we're in. Let's, let's put up the next things I'm going to have read that I'm going to read. And they felt as if recurring waves of trouble had plunged their souls into a bottomless ocean of sorrow and despair. The prophet Jonah used similar language to describe his predicament. You hurled me into the depths of into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. So they're writing from the standpoint of we are in waves of trials. It's not one trial. It's waves of trial that are beating on us that are causing our head to sink under the water. It's not just our bishop that we lost. It's all the other death. It's all the other problems. It's all the things on top of it. It's wave after wave. It's trouble after trouble. It's issue after issue. And if, if it was only one wave, I can handle it. But it's so many waves and it's sweeping me under and if you've ever been on the ocean in the ocean and if you are like me and you can't swim but you love the ocean you get out in the ocean and you feel sand and you feel okay but within a few waves you realize I done got pulled far from the shore I got to hustle and get back because something about the wave is pulling me under. It's not that I want to be under, but the wave is pulling me under. It's not that I want to be depressed, but the trouble is pulling me under. It's not that I want to wake up crying, but the trouble is sweeping over my head. That's why they were writing what they were writing. Let's, let's, let's continue. There's another interpretation of the word deep in Psalm 42. That the songwriter is expressing the fact that his soul was in deep need of God. The psalmist calls out from his place of profound need for the unfathomable greatness of God. A deep need calls for a deep remedy. Here's the beauty about being in deep trouble. There's only one person you can turn to when you're in deep trouble. 
It's not Dr. Phil. It's not Dr. Oz. It's not Oprah. It's not Morgan David. It's not Tito's. It's not Vodka. But I need to call on God. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keepeth Israel, he neither slumbers nor he sleeps. I know who to turn to when I'm in trouble like this. So I command my soul to look to God. I command my soul, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads. Call on God. Trust in God. Believe in God. Hope in God, because he's the only one that can bring you out of this. And when you find out God is all you got, you'll realize God is all you need. So here's the hard part for the devil. He sometimes orchestrates the waves. But when he orchestrates the waves, he turns you into the hands of your Savior. And the next time the same waves that brought you out the last time won't take you under the next time because you get stronger in each trial. You get stronger under each wave. You get stronger under each attack. And here's his thing. He's got two choices. If I attack them, I might take them out. But if I attack them and they don't go out, they're coming after me. But he takes his chance to attack us anyhow. But I'm here to let you know we're coming after the devil. We're ready. We're coming. We're fighting. We're strong. I'm reminded of Brother Will, Sister Lynn. Brother Will, I remember not, him not being at the church too long when he loses his father. And I had to preach the funeral for his father. And I remember still to this day the message I preached. It was simply this, let's make the devil pay. I don't understand why it's happened, but one thing we can do is we can make the devil pay for everything he throws at us. And Brother Will, you've been making the devil pay ever since. And we're going to make the devil pay for everything he throws at me. You you can try me, but you, you I'm coming back swinging. I got the rope-a-dope anointing. I'm throwing everything, and I'm going to knock you down. And like Muhammad Ali, I shook up the world. I shook up the world. Deliverance Temple, we shook up the world because we fought our way through this. Three verses, and we'll, we'll close. Verse 42 and 8. Read that. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Both night and day I need God. Read verse 9. I say to, the, to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? One of the commentators of this scripture says it's beautiful to see how the writer waffled back and forth. At one minute, he was saying, I'm okay. Another minute, he's saying, God, why have you forsaken me? It's okay to have faith one minute and doubt the next, as long as you come back to the right side. Let's see how the psalmist ended the verse or ended the chapter. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Where is your God? But this is how the verse ended. Now, for some reason, I must have accidentally deleted it, but he repeats verse 9. So we'll just go uh, back to verse 9. No, actually, we'll go back to verse 5. Put verse 5 up. This is, this is actually verse 11. It's the last verse of the chapter. He repeats what he said before. He says this again at the end. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. At the end of the chapter, he says it again. If you go into the 43rd chapter, the psalmist says the same thing. The sons of Korah, they say the same thing. At the end of the day, I'm going to put my hope in God. I, I don't know why you're messed up soul. I don't know why you're struggling soul. But I command my soul to put its hope in the living God. I'm going to trust in God. Somebody say that I'm going to trust in God. Come on, let's ride to our feet. And let's declare this. I, I 
command my soul. I will command my soul. You, point to somebody else, you will command your soul. And you will put your hope in God. Come on, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, God, for the ability to command our soul. Thank you, Father, we know who to turn to. Thank you, Father, you still have never lost a case. Thank you, Father, for what you're taking us through and how we're going to higher heights and higher depths and how you told us last week that you would lift us and the week before you told us that relief was on the way. So we thank you, we receive it, we believe it, and as we trans, uh, uh, trans, uh, as we cross through the rest of December, God, and into the new year, as we transition, God, we thank you that you will neither leave us nor will you forsake us. Now, God, if there's somebody that is not saved, I pray that they would just declare these words with me. Father God, come into my heart, come into my life. I ask you in right now to save my soul so I too can command my soul through the power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed.